Turn with me, if you would, in the Bible to Matthew chapter 16. And we'll begin this way and just see how the Lord leads us. You know, the Lord is ministering many times when people don't realize that He is. You know, there, there are times that are more spectacular. Like, you know, like someone being called out and some, there, there's a particular case being mentioned. But, uh, the Lord's talking to people during sermons and messages all the time as well. Amen. And sometimes it, it, it's very, very personal. I, I've been in services before where the Lord talked to me. Oh man, nobody called my name. I was in, sitting in the middle of the crowd, but oh boy, he, Talk to me, and I just kept a straight face and just looked straight ahead and said, yes, amen. And when I got home, I fell across the bed and said, oh, God, you're talking to me. And, and uh, he knows just exactly what you need. And just one sentence, one phrase, one word can answer something that's been a problem to you for a long time. And so let's believe to hear from the Lord tonight in the word, in Matthew The 16th chapter. Matthew 16. Let these words register on you. Jesus was speaking to his disciples in this 16th chapter of Matthew. And he asked them, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? In verse 13. Verse 14, they said, you know, some say this, some say that. Verse 15, he said, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. How many of you have got that revelation? That he is the Lord Jesus. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. Let's just all sit out loud. It's such a wonderful, such a vital, important thing. Tell the Lord, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And my Lord. Hallelujah. That's a great confession, a great profession. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it or this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. Is God still revealing things to us today? He said, I say also to you that you are Peter, a rock, a small rock. But upon this rock, this huge rock, the rock of the Christ, the rock of the revelation, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How many understand that there's nothing that hell has that is greater than what we have? Nothing. That the gates, the authority, the power of the enemy can come against us with is so strong that it can just overcome us in spite of us doing the word of God and the will of God. God is greater, far greater. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Verse 19, Jesus said, and I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is a great word. Like all of the words of the master. But I've had this come up in my spirit for these times. And we we haven't been released from it yet. So we're just staying with it. 
And the Lord brought this phrase up in, within my spirit. In your power. And I, he, he's been ministering to, to me about this for these days. In your power. And it has to do with what we just read. The Lord has given us the keys to the kingdom. What does that mean? Well, he goes on to explain. It's authority that's backed up with mighty power. Keys denote entrance. Keys denote access. Keys denote the privilege of use. Keys denote control. Anybody in here got any keys? Key to the house? Or the apartment? Key to a car? Is that right? What what does that key mean? That key means you can go in there whenever you want to. Is that right? That key means you got a right to go in there. That key means you have control over that. Right? Got a key to a car. You can go get in that car. You can drive it north or you can drive it south. You can drive it east or you can drive it west. You can drive it fast or you can drive it slow. Because you got the key. Is that right? So you got control. Did the Lord give us some control? Oh, this is a wonderful thing. That he has given us, in fact, a lot of control. But the devil has lied to the church. And for so many hundreds of years. Caused many to be deceived into thinking that they did not have any control. And. One way he does that is by convincing people that God has all the control and you have none. And it's a popular phrase that people go around saying, God is in control. Well, what do we mean by that? Certainly God is great. Certainly he has a plan. Certainly his plan is at work. But is he in total control of your life? Does he make you do everything that you should do? Does he make all your decisions for you? Does he control your mouth for you? Does he control your mind for you? Does he control your feelings? Does he control your body? Does he control your spending? Does he control your giving? Does he? Then is he really in control? Totally of you. Now, I know this may be a little bit different than, than, than some have thought, but we, we not, need to not just throw phrases around. God is in control. Well, we would like for him to be. <laughs> but how much is he really in control? I mean, all you've got to do is look around, watch the news, and see all the bad things that are happening. Is God in control of all that? Is he in control of the famine? Is he in control of the murder? Is he in control of all the terrible and sinful things that are happening here and everywhere in the world? Is he in control of that? Well, if if, if he doesn't want that and he's in control, why doesn't he do something about it? Why doesn't he change it? Here's the reality. God has given us control. And too many have done like Adam and just given the devil control. 
By yielding to him, he's in control. He doesn't want God to be in control, nor does he want you to be in control. He wants to be in control. And he's able to do it through people being deceived and believing lies and being weak-willed and weak-minded. But I'm looking at a group of people that are not going to be that way. Amen. We're going to be strong of spirit, strong minds, strong wills. And we're going to use them not against God, but we're going to yield them to God. Amen. And we're going to take the control and the keys that he's given us. And in doing so, in you being in control, then God really will begin to be in control where you're concerned and in your life and concerning your things. You cannot just relegate the control to God. You can't just say, well, God, I'm just turning, you know, I'm turning my life over to you totally. And, and, and in, the, in the idea of thinking, he's going to make all your decisions for you. I'm just turning my kids over to you so I don't have to raise them anymore. Yeah, you wish. I'm just, I'm just turning, I'm turning all my, my appetites and my desires over to you so that you can control them. Wishful thinking. I said wishful thinking. Now, so, I know this is contrary to what you've heard preached, some people in here. You've heard preached differently. Well, let's just give it all to God. You can't. Because He's given it to you. I said you can't because He's given it to you. If God was going to make anybody do something, he would make people get saved. Because that's the most important thing. He doesn't. Isn't Isn't it in his control? No, he's put it within the control of the individual to say, yes, I believe, or no, I do not. Yes, I'll serve you, or no, I won't. So is it really in his control? No, he, in his graciousness, has put it into our control. And if you're smart, you'll turn back around and use that control to follow him and to obey him. And I believe we have some smart people in here tonight. In your control, I believe the Spirit is saying that. And I want it to be a phrase that gets in your heart and gets in your mind and goes over and over again. And when something comes up and it's not the way you want it to be, Is it within your power to change it? When something in your life needs to happen, are you just to beg and plead with God to do something about it? Or can you do something about it in the name of Jesus? Many, many things in your life actually are in your power. Do you understand? Are are you with me so far? Read it one more time. Jesus said, I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, who? Who's going to bind it? We are. It'll be bound in heaven. Whatever you shall loose on earth. Who's going to loose it? God's going to loose it for us? No, we're going to loose it. He'll back us up. Amen. Heaven will back us up. But if we're not doing anything, there's nothing for heaven to back up. And I trust you see the situation. I mean, it... I sense the Spirit of God's grief because there are masses of Christians that are pining away. They're, they're begging God in hospital rooms. They're, they're begging God at, at their bedroom tonight. Please, God, do something about this. And he can't because he has told them, you speak to the mountain. 
You expect it to go. You take authority over it in my name. And people are not doing that. They're trying to get God to do it. And that is not the what, that's not what he's told us to do. That's not the way he set it up. Are you with me now? This is important. When you try to get him to do what he's told you to do, it is not going to work. And you'll be frustrated and it'll just go on and on and on and get worse and get worse. And and people think, well, why won't God do something about it? He already has. I said he already has. He sent Jesus. Jesus paid the price. Jesus got back the keys. Hallelujah. He overcame death and hell and the grave. And then he said, behold, I give you authority. And he's given us the keys. We've got them. We have the right. We have the authority. Let's use it. Now where you start is within your own being. And in these previous sessions we've talked about this. You have control. There are things that are in your power. In your control. One of the first things you need to understand is that your mind is your mind. And within your control. If you don't control it, God's not going to control it for you. And you do not have to think and meditate and ponder things you should not. You you know, I know some of you weren't here, but we spent a lot of time on this. I even got into it again last night, talking about the fact that your mind is your mind and within your control. In fact, nobody else can control it for you. Never ever begin to entertain the lie that I can't help but think on this. It is a deception that will consume you. It will destroy you. Well, I I don't want to think on it, but the devil just makes me. The devil's not big enough to make you think on something. No, he's not. He's a created fallen being. He is not an equal opposite to God. Oh, he pumps himself up to be a virtual opposite of God. God is light and I'm darkness. Yeah, but darkness is no match for light. They don't fight. You doubt me? Go into a dark room. Flip on the light switch. Does darkness and light tangle up in the middle of the room and wrestle and maybe three or four hours later the light begins to inch it out? No. No. I said no. The only way darkness can be there is when light is not there. That's the way through the whole earth. As soon as the light comes, darkness loses its grip. So no, no, the devil cannot make you think something you don't want to think. If you think bad things, it's because you yield to it. It's because you're not controlling your mind. You're not disciplining yourself to think like you're supposed to. And it's extremely important. It's the difference Romans 8 says between life and death. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. We talked about that your soul is your soul. You don't have to yield uh, to feelings that you shouldn't yield to. The Bible said, for an example, be angry and sin not. 
Just because you're angry doesn't mean you have to act like you're angry. Who's in control? Here people say, well, man, I just, I, I just lost control. No, you gave it up. You yielded to it, but you could have stayed in control. Just because you feel lousy doesn't mean you have to act lousy. Just because you feel bad and down doesn't mean you have to act down. You can feel bad and shout like you feel great. And I say, well, that's being a hypocrite, ain't it? No, that's walking in the spirit. That's putting on the new man. You can feel like being mean to somebody and be sweet to them. Yes, you can. You can feel like slapping them and pray for them and send them a gift instead. (laughs) And it's a lot better testimony. Who's in charge of your mind? I mean, is it God's mind? Is it the devil's mind? If you're not running it, who is? You wish God would control it for you, but he's not. He's put it in your power. Everybody said out loud, my mind mind. is my mind. mind. I'm in control of it. My soul, my my feelings, my my emotions are my feelings. I'm in control of my feelings. Now don't misunderstand me. Sometimes when you feel a certain way strongly, you can't just blink your eyes and instantly feel differently. But what you can do is not yield to those feelings. Amen. And act the way you're supposed to act, even though you feel opposite. And if you keep doing that, it won't be long. The feelings will change. Amen. And you'll cease being a carnal, flesh-ruled baby Christian, and you'll begin to mature. You'll begin to grow up. And it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's such a key to walking by faith. Now let's go on tonight to talking about this. Your body is your body and in your control. Thank you for that one okay. <laughs> now you can't leave now. Now you got to stay for the whole thing. This is good. Isn't it? Do you wish you weren't in control? Now here's the problem. Many have become convinced, whether they said it out loud or not, that they can't really control their own body. And it's a lie. If you can't control it, who's who's running it? Who's in control? If you're not in control, who is? And if you are in control, that means you have some say-so. Amen. And if some things are the way you don't want them to be, you can change them. I said you can change them. And if you're really in control of something, you ought to be able to get it the way you want it to be. That was a little weaker, but I said if you're really in control of something, you should be able to get it the way you want it to be. If you're in control, if you can't, then you're not in control. We gotta make up our mind now. We're gonna make up our mind tonight. Are we or are we not in control of this body? Whose body is it? It's your body. God gave it to you. Yeah, it's the temple of the Holy Ghost. Yeah, He's bought and paid for it with a price, but He's not running it. I said, He's not running it. If He was, it'd be different. 
<laughs> and there's a whole lot of things that you've done with your body that it would not have happened had he been in control of your body. So obviously he's not running it. But if you'll begin to run it the way you know what he wants you to run it, then he will wind up being in control of your body. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. 1 Corinthians 9. Truth is good. Truth makes you free. Why don't you find 1 Thessalonians 4 as well? We'll go to two scriptures. First Corinthians 9, First Thessalonians 4. While you turn in there, say it out loud. My body is my body. I'm in control. <laughs> now some of you don't believe that yet. But it's true. And you can get to where you believe it. I said, you can get to where you believe it. One way is to just begin saying this. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. First Corinthians, are you there? And the ninth chapter. First Corinthians 9. The Apostle Paul, how many believe he was a spiritual and is a spiritual man? Knew God. Was not you, you, you wouldn't call the Apostle Paul a carnal fella. A baby Christian, no, would you? No. But notice what he said in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway or a reject, a throwaway. Let me read that again. Who's talking? Paul. He said, but God keeps under my body. No, excuse me. But I, who does it? Here's a man who's had multiple visions of the head of the church. He's been caught up to the third heaven. Had such tremendous revelation that you and I are benefiting from today that God gave through him. And yet he says this after all of his experiences, after all of his wonderful ministry, he says, I... Keep under my body. I keep my body under control. I bring it into subjection. I make it submit. To who? How many of you understand? You're not just a body. You have a body. Right? You are, you know, you're, you're in there right now looking at me through those two windows we call eyes. You are a spirit being. Amen? And if the Lord tears his coming a long time and you live out your life and we plant your body, you'll be very much alive in heaven. Amen. And then you'll come back and pick it up. And it'll be glorified. Now let me just stop right here. I said you'll come back and pick it up. Somebody said, well, I wanted a new body. It's going to be this body glorified. This body. Everybody put your hand on you, on you somewhere. This body is a part of the eternal body of Christ. I know some people don't believe that. But, you know, uh, first, well, I mean, let me just prove it to you. First Corinthians, back up, 
6th chapter. 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 12. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. All things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient or profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Understand there's a lot of things that might be okay for you to do, but when it begins to control you, you need to change it. So well, it ain't a sin to do that. Yeah, but you, you, you know your own heart and your own body, your own situation. When it begins to crimp you and you feel like you've got to have it or you've got to do it a certain way, then it's, it's bondage in your life. Say like the Apostle Paul, I refuse to be brought under the power of any of it because it's not going to be in control. I'm in control. God's put me in control and I'm going to control it under him the way he wants it done. He went on to say meats or, or this is the word for foods, foods for the belly or stomach and the stomach for foods. But God shall destroy both it and them. How many understand all this down here is passing away. All this natural stuff. It's not lasting forever. Now the body, contrary to popular belief, is not for fornication. People say, well, God gave us a body. He gave us, you know, this attraction uh, for the opposite sex. He gave us a sex drive. That's what it's for. No, it's not for fornication. There's a scripture right here. The Bible tells us that our bodies were not created so we could fornicate. Fornication is sexual relations between people who are not married. Somebody said, uh, yeah, but we're going to be married. That's exactly the same as not being married. Yeah, but we're already married in the eyes of God. Said who? Said who? If you're not willing and they're not willing to stand up in front of family and friends and the church and confess their commitment to God and to each other, it's questionable that it's there. Did you hear me? And how many people that got involved in these things that were going to get married never did? No. There's no way, you know, people do, they, they go through mental gymnastics trying to justify these things, but it is not okay. The only time that sex is okay, not, not only okay, but good and wonderful, acceptable with God and a holy thing, is between two people that are married to each other, committed to each other. Amen. Amen. Nothing dirty about that. Clean, right, but any other situation, it is not right. It is not okay. Somebody said, yeah, but it was, it was just bigger than the both of us. <laughs> now we laugh, but I'm t- you hear stuff like that? Yeah, but we, we didn't intend for it to happen. It just happened. So what, what are people trying to say? Exactly. They're trying to say, well, we, this thing is just bigger than the both of us. It just swept us up. And it was love. Love. Smote us. And, and just took us. And we, next thing we know, we were just caught up in love. Now, you don't know what love is. You ain't got a clue. And that kind of love won't last through the month. 
soon as the physical infatuation is gone, you'll get caught up in love with somebody else. (laughs) And where is it going to end? I said, where is it going to end? I tell you, friends, our, our society's in a mess right now. People are wondering why so many kids are so messed up. They're wondering why there's so many problems. Well, it's because people are not serving God and people do not have family values that God instituted. They're not loving each other. They're not being a husband and wife. They're not being a mother and father. And so there's no family. And so people are coming up not having a clue about what's going on or what they're supposed to be. It is a huge mess. And they can throw all the money there and programs that they want to at it and all the education and it is not going to fix it. Until people like you and me, amen, hold up the standard and say there is right and there is wrong and there is sin. And it's supposed to be one man and one woman, married, committed, mama, daddy, family. Yeah, but isn't the village okay? No, it ain't okay. You gotta make up your mind. Is our, is our belief based on popular concept or is it based on the eternal, unchanging Word of God? God hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. And I know people have made a lot of mistakes. We're not against people, but we can't say wrong is right. The body is not made for fornication. Is it? But the body is made for what? What does it say? Keep reading in your Bible. The body is made for what? For the Lord. Does that mean he's in control of your body? Not unless you're yielding to him. You're using your control. But your body exists to serve the Lord. Amen. My eyes are made to look on his word and look up to him in prayer. My mouth is made to worship him and praise him and bless people, not curse, not defile. Amen. My hands are made to lift up to Him and to work and do good and to bless people. And my feet are made to take me to good places and represent God and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. My body is for the Lord. He goes on to say, and the Lord for the body. Now that's a good word. When you commit that my body is not just for my you know, for me to yield to every desire I have and, and for fornication and for this and that and see how drunk I can get and how high I can get and how much I can sleep around and all this kind of stuff. But my body is to serve the Lord and you make a commitment with that. God's saying, I make a commitment to you that I am for your body. I'll take care of your body. I'll keep your body. I'll bless you and quicken you and strengthen you. Man, there's a healing message right here. And God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by His power. How many understand that if the Lord tears His coming and your body is laid to rest, He will raise it up just like He did the Lord Jesus? And if He comes beforehand, He'll change it. Verse 15, know you not, here's the verse I'm getting to, that your bodies, which body? The body He was talking about that people could commit fornication with. This body, your bodies are the what? The members of Christ. 
This body right now that we have, the Lord has bought and paid for it along with our spirit and soul. This body is part of Christ. Amen. And people say, well, I, I don't like my body. You don't know what you're talking about. If there's something that's wrong, that's been defiled or been distorted by the curse, it can be fixed. Amen. God didn't make deformities. God didn't make defilements. God didn't destroy. That's the curse. That's sin. That's problems in the earth. But God didn't shortchange you. God didn't give you a bad deal. And I'm telling you, we need a revelation of the value of this body. This body is amazing. And I know that it's been affected by sin. And I know that the outward man is perishing. It's growing older. It wasn't supposed to in God's original plan. But he's already made provision to fix all that. Amen. But even now, in its mortal condition, your and my body is important. We need to see the value of your flesh. We talk against the flesh, how bad it is. He's to, in those scriptures, he's talking about the flesh nature. He's not talking about that your body is bad and that you ought to neglect your body and you ought to ill and maltreat your body. Your body is absolutely the most valuable physical possession you will ever have. Did you hear that now? I don't care if you got five jet airplanes. If you lose this body, you ain't riding in none of them. I don't care if you got three castles and four vacation homes. If you lose this, you're not using any of them. Right? I don't care if you got three limousines and four sports cars and 12 motorcycles. You lose this. And you're not, you know, none of that's any good to you. This. Now, the reason I say that is because people don't think like that. Is that right? But it begins with understanding that your body is a valuable, precious thing that God has entrusted to your care. And that it is an eternal part of Christ. This body. You know, it would be really neat to be alive and remaining when the Lord comes. And we may be. Could be. Uh, and let me just pause to say this. Uh, nobody knows exactly when he's coming. I don't care what they said. <laughs> yeah, but they figured it out. No, they didn't. Just study some history. Books on top of books have been written and the day came and the day went. And the day came and the day went. He's coming, all right. He's coming, and we're closer to it than anybody has ever been. We can be sure of that. (laughs) But whether he's coming by fall, or by the end of the year, or by the end of the next year, we don't know. I said we don't know. Don't waste your time. And follow people and adhere to stuff about that. Just don't do it. Just, Just stay ready, okay? Stay ready. And do your best to take as many people with you as you can. That's the important thing. But it would be neat to be alive and remaining when he comes because none of our, none of the bodies of the saints are going to be left behind. 
Is that right? And those, we who which are alive and remaining, will not prevent those that are already, will not go before those that have already died. They're going to be changed before us. Now, do you understand that there are Christians who died 500 years ago in the desert? Nobody ever found their body. The buzzards got to them. Their bones were bleached. They broke down uh, at a molecular level and, and just became dust. And the winds have scattered them to the four corners. There have been Christians that were lost at sea. The sharks got to them. Where's their body? Well, every molecule is still here. And God knows where. Every atom is still here. God knows exactly where it's at. And when the trumpet sounds. I'm telling you, when, when, when the archangel yells and, and the trumpet sounds and the Lord comes back, then I don't care wherever those particles were, they're going to come. Boom. Back together. Hallelujah. And the power of God's going to flow through it just like it did the body of the Lord Jesus in that tomb on the third day. The Lord's going to raise up that body just like he did the Lord Jesus. And then here they come. The spirit being is coming with the Lord and they're going to pick up their body and get back in it. And it's a glorified body. And it's this body. This body. Now some folks say, well, I, I don't really like this body. I, I wanted another one. No, I'm telling you, this one glorified, you're going to be happy with it. Because the glorification will fix all the imperfections. It'll, it'll, don't worry about it. But it's going to be this body. This body. Everybody say this body. This body. God didn't short you. You understand that you are a one of a kind. Masterpiece. You are. You are. I mean, it, down to your thumbprint, everything. You are unique. Inside and out. And you are an eternal being yourself. Now, you're going to live with him forever. And, and we could enjoy this body right now a whole lot more if we saw the value of it. And realize that we really are in control of it. Go to 1 Thessalonians, please, the fourth chapter now. Paul said, I keep under my body. In other words, I keep it under control. I bring it into subjection. Lest, by any means, after I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Is, is he saying, the great apostle Paul, that if he didn't control his body, he could wind up being a castaway? Is it true? That you, you could have all this experience with God, and all this faith, and all this revelation, but if you don't control your body... You can wind up on the spiritual junk heap. Serious business. I don't care who you are. You've got to control your body. And I'm telling you, you can't trust it any further than you can throw it. Your body has not been born again. You're talking about it's going to get glorified. That ain't yet. And right now, your and my body has the same disposition and same inclinations as Joe Sinner down the street that hadn't got saved yet. 
Hmm? I mean, the day after you get born again, you're a new man in Christ on the inside, but you begin the process of renewing your mind, and that's why you've got to control this body, because it'll want to do exactly what it did for you got saved. You have to retrain it. Your body, listen to me, your body, not, not your neighbor's, yours, your body will fornicate and commit adultery if you let it. Your body will, will be a homosexual or a lesbian if you let it. Your body will be a drunkard, a drug addict. Somebody said, no, I could never be. If you start yielding, you could wind up there. Places you never thought you could get. If you start yielding, the, the nature of the flesh is such that it, it can't be satisfied. I mean, one drink might do it today, but it's going to take two by the end of the week. You understand what I'm saying? And, and it'll take stronger and stronger stuff. And yeah, maybe it's a little weed, but now it's heroin. And then it's crack, and it's this and that. Well, well maybe it was a, a pornographic magazine, but now it, it's, a, it's a, a strange partner. And then it's somebody's same sex, and it's perverted. It just gets worse and worse. Don't look so well, I could, that could never happen to me. It could happen to you. Okay, who you, if you yielded and just kept yielding. So what's the answer? Never start. Just never start. Amen. Do what Paul said. I keep under. I keep it under control. Amen. I, well, let's read the scripture before I start quoting it here. First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, he said it like this. First Thessalonians four, three. For this is the will of God. Even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Now let me just stop right here because I just sense that some folk have been struggling in these areas. And it's no wonder, because we are bombarded with sexual promiscuity all around us. On the TVs, all the movies, the magazines, I mean it's all around you. And, and, and the enemy is endeavoring to cause people to, to think it's okay. Everybody's doing it. It's just natural. It's okay. But the problem is, if you keep feeding your desires, they get stronger and stronger and stronger until they begin to torment you. If you don't satisfy them, they torment you. Well, there's a solution. Starve them. I said starve them. I've ministered to people that were just, I mean, just, you know, you'd call them a deviant. But how did they get that way? They begin to feed on things they shouldn't feed on. Read things they shouldn't read. Watch things they shouldn't watch. Listen to it. Well, you keep doing that. What you're doing is feeding the lust of the flesh. And all of us have desires, but they must be controlled. And you keep doing that. It's like a stray cat. You feed him. He's going to want to hang around. And he's going, he's going to grow and get fatter. Right? You can't say, well, you know, here, go away, kitty. Here's, a, here's two cans of gourmet cat food, but go away. You can't stay here. I don't want you here, but here, have another can. You can't do that. Because what's he going to do? He's going to rub up against your leg, and he's going to stay. He's found a new home. And then, you know, six months later, here he weighs 25 pounds and sitting on your chest, licking you on the nose. You go, no, kitty, you got to go. I don't want you here. No, no, here, have some more food. But who got him that way? You did by feeding him. And that's the way people's desires are. If you feed them, they get stronger until they torment you. And then you got people, you know, they're fed on so much junk until now, uh, you know, they can't even look at anybody of the opposite sex without trying to undress them with their mind and all that. And, it, and that's torment. 
And that's not normal and that's not right. But you didn't get there overnight, but you can change it by starving that desire. Cut off that stuff. Quit watching it. Quit listening. And don't say you can't because we know we're in control. Amen. Don't say you can't. Well, I, I tried to, but I couldn't. You're lying and are deceived. No, it's your eyes or your eyes. Your mind is your mind, right? You can watch what you want or don't. You can think of what you want to or not. You are in control. Don't try to tell us any different. Don't try to tell God any different. He's the one that gave you the control. And the good news is, if you begin to starve these desires, oh, they may, they may still torment you for a little while, but your own fault, you got them that way. But if you just keep starving them, after a while they'll get weaker and weaker. Like anything you don't feed, it'll get weaker and weaker until it won't bother you like it used to. And then after a while, you can look at people and not even have those kind of thoughts. Amen? And that's freedom. I said that's freedom. And it's God's will for all of us. But who's in control of it? Said out loud, my eyes are my eyes. I'm in control. My mind is my mind. I'm in control. And we're talking about your body. Is your body and you're in control. In verse 3, he said, this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Do you understand if fornication was all right... God wouldn't have said all this. He would have said, y'all just have at it. It's natural. Don't worry about it. He's not out to spoil your fun. I'm telling you. But he told us this because it's wrong. It hurts people. It destroys people. It ruins lives. Hmm? It's sin. The wages of sin is death. No matter how rosy it seems on the outside, it might seem, you might think you're going to get by and it's not going to hurt you. Before it's over with, it's going to hurt somebody. And that's what God's against, is people getting hurt. And people say, well, if we're two consenting adults, what does that hurt? It will hurt you. God said so. Now, you can find out the hard way, or you can find out the easy way, and just believe it and not not go through it. Amen? And if it's right for you to be married, as it is for most people, you just trust God and believe God and, and, and not feed your desires and keep them under control. And in the right time, the right way, God will bring the right person and it'll be wonderful. Amen. And it'll be holy and pure. God will be happy with it. You'll be truly satisfied. Amen. You don't have to be concerned that they're going to be with somebody else next week either. Right? We don't have to worry about diseases and all this kind of stuff. Hmm? And if there is a child, then the, the two of you are committed to raising that child like they're supposed to be. Amen. It's just right. God set it up. It's where it's supposed to be. Anything else is not an improvement. First Thessalonians 4, verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. That's talking about your body. Your body is the vessel of your spirit and the vessel of the Holy Ghost who also lives within you. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel. Who's going to possess and control your vessel? You are. God will help you, but he's not going to do it for you. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Our bodies are important. They're valuable. We should treat our own body with dignity. Amen? 
Remember what Paul said by the Spirit? He said a person that commits fornication sins against their own body. And the reason why people are so loose, they don't see the value of their body. Why they're so quick to get involved with somebody. You need to realize, man, you know, not just anybody's going to kiss these lips. Not just anybody's going to see this body. But see, the devil has, through all this stuff, he has brought down and, and made common and base the human body. And called dirty what God calls wonderful. But all of us are to know how to possess our vessel and body. That we treat it as what it is, the most valuable physical possession we will ever have. Amen? We treat it with more respect and more care than we do our clothes or our jewelry. We spend more time with it and take better care of it than we do our house. Our house. Or our cars. Did you hear me? Should we? Which is more important? I don't care what kind of house you got. You lose this, all you'll need is about six feet of ground. You won't need a bedroom or a bathroom. You won't need any drapes. Nothing. I don't care how nice that car is. You lose this, you won't even need a car. They'll give you a ride in the back of a black one. One way. Which is more important? Jesus said, the body is more than clothes. Hmm? The life is more than food. Right? Did you hear that phrase he said? The body is more than clothes. The body. And God intended for you, even though uh, you're aging, even though the curse is in the earth and all these things, He still intended for you to enjoy this. Amen. It's a gift. He intended for you to enjoy it and to use it and get a lot of miles out of it. Amen. Before you go to be with Him or He comes and changes it on the spot. But, who, you know, it's kind of like a car. How many understand that some cars still look good and drive good at, at you know, 100,000 miles? Others are shot at 25. Huh? I mean, you take, you, you, know, you take a Cadillac and you use it for a four-wheel drive. You pull your cow trailer with it. Go out and jump ditches with it. And all that. Well, it's not going to hold up to that. And you never change the oil. And you never, you never tune it up. You, you never clean it up. Well, it's not going to last like it should. And it's not going to perform like it should. But if you take good care of a thing, it's, it's going to last you know, longer than people thought it would. It's like one fellow told me the other day. He said, you know, if I'd known I was going to live this long, I'd have took better care of myself. Well, how many of you plan on living a while? The Lord tells is coming. You have a right to live a long time. A long time. Not 50 years, not 60 or 70, even longer. Amen. Long time. And people are doing it. Do you understand that? Um, I read some figures. Oh, this was a few years old. That there were already over 50,000 people on record that were over um, age 100. 
And they expected that to double in the next few years. People are making it to substantial age. You might as well do it. But it's kind of like the story that happened to me back when I was a teenager. I wanted a motorcycle so badly. I mean, I just, you know, I, I had a poster up on my, uh, I remember it to this day, a poster of a guy riding a Honda and his hair was flowing in the wind. And man, I just sit in my bed and look at that thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm telling you, the Lord was good to me and my parents were good to me. They, they, I know now they really couldn't afford it, but I, I didn't know at the time. But they made some serious sacrifices and bought uh, a new Honda for me. Never forget it. Boy, it was metal flake orange. And I put every little chrome piece I could on it and put some chrome uh, megaphone pipes on it. And I took excellent care of it. I mean, my mom sometimes come to the back door and say, son, you're going to rub all the paint off of that thing. Because you could eat on any portion of it. It was clean. And I never abused it. Never. Because, I, you know, I knew if I tore it up, what would I do? I didn't have the money to fix it or anything. So, I mean, I really took care of it. Well, I rode with a guy who was not that way. This guy thought he was evil Knievel. I, I kid you not. There's nothing this guy, this guy would do anything. I'm with a car, with a motorcycle. He's always wanting to ride my motorcycle. And I kept telling him, no, no, his name was Tony. I said, no, Tony, no, you're not riding. Oh, I won't, I won't hurt it. Yeah, right. No, you're not riding my motorcycle. Oh, come on, Keith, come on. I thought we was buddies. We ride together. Let me ride your bike. You ride mine. Well, I didn't want to ride his. His was abused, messed up, you know, leaking from every corner. Because he just, I mean, he wouldn't give it a break. He just wind it until you think it's going to come apart. And pop wheelies and spin the wheels and just anything it would do, he made it do. Well, he kept on week after week, week after week. And finally, he he was just, you know, bugging me about it. Come on, Keith, what's the deal? I mean... You know, you you too good. Your bike's too good for me. And da da da. Well, finally, he kind of got to me on some of that. And 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 I said, well, okay, all right. But look now, you don't drive it over this speed. You don't rev it over this. And he said, yeah, right, right, right. Okay, yeah, I won't, I won't. I said, all right. Now you're not gonna mess up my motorbike. He said, no, 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 man. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that to you. So he gets on. He drives down the road, and just as soon as he gets around the curve, I hear him. Downshift to first, and just wound it till, you know, uh, he just abused it. He came back, it was hot, his pipes were turning blue up at the top. My fault. He didn't destroy it, but it was my fault, because that was mine, it was in my control, and I let somebody else drive. Hmm? The reason I told you all that is because there's a lot of folk letting the devil drive. They're letting him drive their mind. They're letting him drive their body. What do you mean by that? They're yielding their minds to him. They're yielding their bodies to him to do things that they ought not do. They're letting him drive. And he's a bad driver. (laughs) You look at some people that's lived a hard life of sin for several years and tell me if the devil's a hard driver or not. He's a bad driver. He'll push you. People let the devil drive their minds and their bodies. You let him drive your mind and it's going to be a wreck. It's going to be full of worry and fear. That's going to affect your stomach. It's going to be upset. Is that right? 
That's going to affect your whole nervous system and your whole digestive system and your blood pressure and, and on and on and on. And if you yield to him, doing things that he's directing you to do, you're just sitting over there in the passenger seat. He's driving. He's running off the road. He's cleaning out the ditches. He's hitting the cupboards. He's playing bumper cars with the other cars on the street. With your car, your mind, your body. And a lot of Christians just going, I wish you wouldn't do that. I wish, oh, oh, that hurts. I wish you wouldn't do that. I wish you wouldn't do that. And you let that happen long enough, you're going to wind up on the roadside, hood up, transmission leaking, radiator boiling over, smoke rolling out, and you sitting there crying with a dent in every fender. And if you know what to do, You'll call the Holy Ghost. You'll call the Lord. Please, Lord. Please, Lord, would you come and help me out? And thank God he'll send the Holy Ghost tow truck. He will. He will. And he will tow you into his body shop. Amen. And if you let him, he'll pour in the oil and he'll pour in the wine. Amen. Begin to give you gladness and joy for your mourning and heaviness. He'll minister healing to your body. But as he gets into it, he'll begin to walk around and look at you and go, "Mm -mm -mm. what happened here? Like he he already knows. And he's going to want to talk to you who has been driving your car. Did you hear me? I said he's going to want to talk to you. Who has been driving your car? And if you want real and permanent freedom and deliverance and being fixed, you're going to have to deal with that. And make up your mind, repent and say, Lord, forgive me. Letting the devil drive my mind and letting the devil drive my body. Forgive me. Going to have to ask for forgiveness. And if you do, he's able to fix you. But you would be most foolish to ever let him. I never let Tony drive again. <laughs> that was the end of Tony's driving my motorbike. And I was dumb for letting him do it the first time. I knew better. Hmm? <laughs> Go with me to James and we'll close with this. James. In James 3 and in verse 2. Here's one of the big, big keys. We're talking about keys, instruments of control. Keys to controlling your body. Said out loud, my body is my body. It is in my power. It is in my control. In James 3 verse 2, he said, in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word or in what he or she says, the same is a perfect or a complete entire man. And able also to do what? To bridle or to control the whole body. People try to hyper-spiritualize this, but it says B-O-D-Y. Body. Amen? And he goes on, I won't take the time this evening, but he goes on to talk about the rudder that's so small compared to the big ship, but it controls that whole big vessel. And the little bit that's in the horse's mouth, it's very small, the horse is very big and strong, but that bit controls that whole big horse, that rudder controls that whole big ship, and that tongue controls your whole body. 
Hallelujah. And the key to getting free from habits, the key to getting free from, if you want to quit smoking, if you want to quit, quit drinking, if you want to quit doing drugs, if you want to quit overeating, if you want to quit whatever it might be, the key is right under your nose. It is your, your mouth. Is it true? Is it true that we just read it? Is it true that you can control your whole body with your mouth? It's true. Stand up with me. Hallelujah. Now you can begin to act on this right now. Amen. And I have a lot more detail. If the Lord leads us, we'll share and get into it with you. But suffice it to say that no matter which way your, your body's been going, you can turn it around. If that ship is going south and they want it to go north, they get a hold of that rudder and they hold it in the right place long enough, it'll turn that thing around. Amen? Well, if your body's been going away, you don't want it to go. Maybe it's a disease. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe something's been growing in you that hadn't spo- it's not supposed to grow. Well, you can turn this thing around. Instead of it getting bigger, it can start shrinking. Hallelujah. If your kidneys hadn't been working right or your lungs or, or whatever the case might be, whose body is this? Are you in control? Has the Lord given you the keys? And can you bridle and control your whole body with your words? The Lord said you can. Let's say it out. Let's exercise some control right now. Say it out loud in Jesus' name. I have authority. I have power. I have control. The Lord's given it to me. Over my own body. Over my own mind. And soul. And life. Body. You're my body. You have to do what I tell you to. You must obey me. You are in my control. Through my words, I order your course. Be whole. Be healed. Be strong. Be free. Work right. Be healthy. Serve me well and do God a good job. Hallelujah. 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 Now we may do something else later, but let's act on this right now. Say it out loud. Desires. Lusts. Strong desires, appetites, addictions, habits that are not in line with God's will, that are not pleasing to God, I come against you. I'm in control. In Jesus' name, I bind you. I command you to weaken and wane from this moment forward I'll not feed you I'll not nourish you I'm cutting you off I'm starving you and you begin to weaken right now you will subside you do not control me I do not obey you I'm in control. My body. 
is my body. I control it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Everybody close your eyes. Close your eyes. Say it out loud. I do not have to drink. I do not have to use drugs. I do not have to sleep around. I do not have to do things that are wrong. I can control my body in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.